Warning, the opinions expressed on this particular podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the guests alone. They do not represent the army, the police, or anything else. Simply our opinions, no one else's. Thank you and enjoy before I forget. All right, this is a uh, happening. It is. So we got to get some formalities out of the way. How would you like to be addressed in this whole thing? Is it would you start major or would you Gill? Just or... call me Herb. All right, Herb. Um, I uh, I I don't know what it is. I've been thinking a lot about this, but I'm not sure I can call you that. Yeah, you just said that, and <laughs> my head. I feel like I had half a stroke. Couldn't do it. So I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, to, to, to be proper, since, like, we're both still in the Army, you're Sergeant Major. You know what I mean? Like You can call me whatever you want, as long as it ain't dumbass. <laughs> One more time. That's Tyree, right. and I'm Kevin, and today we have with us uh, a very special guest. You have heard us talk about him a lot, um, a lot. almost like we obsess about this man, um, and, and, and in some ways we might. Um, we're still terrified of him. All the way. And uh, and here he is. Uh, without further ado, uh, Sergeant Major, go ahead, introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. I'm Command Sergeant Major Herb Gill. I'm currently stationed over at Yuma Proving Grounds in Yuma, Arizona, with Army Test and Evaluation Command. Uh, yeah. Served in the Blue Spaders from what 2002, Tyree, to uh, 2008, actually, roughly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Hell yeah! It, it is our pleasure. Okay, we have been, uh, like Kevin said, trying to figure this out, um, moving people around, trying to move these chess pieces, trying to make this thing work. Uh, finally got you on, and we are excited. And I, I man, I tell you what, we'll, I'm sure some of these stories are going to pop up. We're going to get into some stuff, so I'll save them. But man, I'm I'm happy to have you on. No, I appreciate it. I tell you what, you guys listening to you guys, you know, week after week and seeing this fruition. I mean, this, you know, we started what a little something like this back when the pandemic first started because I was at Fort Hood. Yeah, you yeah, guys we did. Started, you know, doing uh, FaceTime calls. Yeah, mm-hmm. we it was uh, Zoom with a bunch of the guys who've already been on the show already. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, that was that was pretty awesome. And then you know, I've been listening to you guys and I'm like, wow, shit, I need to. I need to figure out how to break time away and get this going. So, you know, I we were, uh, I mean, like I said, we, we've, we've been, I know like offline, Tyree and I've talked quite a bit about like certain people that we definitely needed to figure out how to get on here. Um, uh, one of, I mean, obviously you're one of them. And then we have another one that we have mentioned before uh, that we're not going to, we're not going to name until the uh, episode comes out. Um but it involves the number 23, if you get my drift. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but yeah, so like there, there's, there were quite a few people and, and you were one of them. And, and, and there for a second, it, it, it kind of felt like maybe, maybe we weren't going to be able to really in. But uh, I, in, my, in my head, I feel like you wanted to listen to some of the shows, kind of get a feel for it, make sure it was something that wouldn't be, you know, too... Uh, you know, I don't know, damaging or stupid to be on you. Know what I mean, yeah. well, I don't think that you know we're going to do anything stupid where I'll be, you know, 
be brought up for war crimes or being looked at and investigated from IG in the army going, you used to do what to soldiers? <laughs> I, think I mean, everything I we did was ethically and legally yet, so. correct. So Absolutely. We're good. And, and once again, uh, the army does not haze. No. No. <laughs> All right. It's not haze. So let's get into it. I always say let's get right into it. So let's get right into it. Sergeant Major Gill, uh, what caused you to join the military? Well, let's see. I joined on the delayed entry program in November 1995. And if you go back in the news media, one of the first high school shootings happened in like October, early November 1995. And that was Mm -hmm. at my high school. And I was like, man, I got to get out of this town. I got to do something with myself. And so I was like, well, I'm from an Army family. Uh, my dad's a Vietnam vet. All of his, his brothers and stuff served in anywhere from Korea to Vietnam. So hmm. I decided, hey, I'm going to join the Army for four years and 17 weeks and get some college money and go be a park ranger. So, Oh, yeah, he had a plan. Yeah, I didn't exactly follow it, but I had a plan. I mean, it's not too late, though. You can still be a park ranger whenever, whenever the Army's done with you. I don't think so. I ain't got time for that at this point. I don't know if my knee's back going to hold up much longer after the army. <laughs> right. So, uh, going to infantry, there was no question about going uh, any other uh, MOS? No, actually, I was originally supposed to be uh, air defense. Oh, okay. Yeah, because my dad was uh, air defense when he retired. He started off as a combat engineer, and, you know, they took me to MEPS, and Mom told him to make sure he doesn't do anything stupid, and he said, yes, dear. <laughs> I got to Nashville, and I was sitting there, and I, his recruiter was about to sign the air defense uh, paperwork, so he went back to print it. And uh, while he was there, I pulled out a VCR cassette, threw it in, and it said Ranger on the front of it. So I was like, oh, I'm going to check that out. Mm. So... That's, he got you. He got yeah, you. Yeah, got me. So, and he was a little upset because he had to go get a new contract and everything ready because I wanted an airborne <clears throat> ranger contract. So, oh, poor him. You wanted to be hardcore. <laughs> he wanted. Come on, go get yeah. the damn. Go print it out. Yeah, stop, get out of here, stop your bitch. I wanted to go blow stuff up. Yeah, give me a break. So, and yeah. So infantry. That's all it wrote yeah. right there. Mm. <clears throat> All right, so normally we would ask people when they got to Germany, but we're going to talk about your first duty station. Uh, first duty station, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, 3504 Charlie Company, Parachute Empty Regiment. So you're starting off with one of the spicier places to be uh, when it comes to uh, being in the infantry. Yeah, uh, you know, back then, our nickname in the, in the 504 was the No War 04 because they called us the Parade Brigade because we did everything. But, you know, we were always in the field. We were always training. You know, I mean, Kevin, you mentioned that, you know, it was Sergeant Gill who always brought in the, the glass houses for us to mm-hmm. walk through and everything mm-hmm. else. But that's all we did, you know, just train. You know, back then, before you guys met me in Germany, the motto of the, you know, the Airborne Infantry was, we own the night. You know, because you would do a, uh, you, you might jump in on an offsite drop zone and do a movement to action, a uh, movement to contact to an offsite objective. And you had to do all that under the cover of darkness. So you, you remember, we always moved at night. We always mm-hmm. would go to the train area out there to, what was that? 
Hang on, what was that train area in Germany? Graf Hohenfels? No, the one in Schwankford. We'd always oh, sneak a- off a- to. area Mike. Area Mike, yeah. 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 So you know, we always went out there and did that stuff. We so, were always boy. out there, by the way, folks. If you don't, if you ever question the. The, the things he's saying about training don't because you know we're fucking training we're out there always yeah and i think you know i look back at it and i think about you know some of the stuff y'all have said over the different episodes you know some of my first leaders were you know panama you know grenada and you know i grew up with vietnam vets and stuff like that and then when i first got promoted to corporal years before i joined you guys a couple years mm-hmm. you know you know, the, the, it was pushed into my head, and I, I was definitely understanding of it that, you know, hey, I'm about to lead soldiers, and I'm about – that doesn't – not necessarily – you're not just leading soldiers, but you're actually in charge of their lives. You are in charge – you're responsible for their lives. You're responsible for their, their wives, their kids, mm-hmm. and you're giving Absolutely. this responsibility to a 20, 21-year-old kid himself. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, so know, pretty serious. <clears throat> on that on that particular very specific note do you feel with uh with how, you know your experiences you know because you've been in the army for what is it 20 i can't i can't math 26 years 25 now yeah um do you do you feel that that in 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 in, in junior ncos has changed at all um, do you... <clears throat> in a way it has but i think it's it's how well we are enforcing that as senior mm-hmm. leaders, you mm-hmm. know, because, you know, the GWAT war produced some phenomenal leaders, but that's a different type of war than what we're going to face in the future. So we've got to really start looking at how do we get back to pre-GWAT on taking care of soldiers when we were preparing for that high conflict war, right. you know, where we were preparing to fight Russia or preparing to fight, you know, communist X or whatever, where we were going to have high casualties on the battlefield. Right. You, know, you can't take care of the wounded until you secure the, the objective. You know, we got to get back to that way of thinking and <clears throat> hope that we've trained everybody well enough that if I'm shot in the leg, I know to put in the IV and put pressure and, you know, move myself to cover until they mm-hmm. can secure it and then <clears throat> back to me. Yeah, we got to keep so. this party moving. That's <clears throat> exactly <throat> what we got to do. Because so, I mean, I, I, the next big conflict, we're going. It's it. It can be very bad. Yeah, I completely agree. And I kind of wonder. I mean, with with uh, a lot of the pre GWAT soldiers, uh, either out or you know at the at the higher echelons where you like where you are, um, like how 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 do we bring bring that back? I mean, because we don't have so we don't mean you think about it. I mean, most of your you know all of your E fives, E sixes, E sevens, um, and I would even bet you know a lot of E eights. Um, don't know what that army looks like because yeah. they came in during GWAT. Uh, exactly. So it is. It is. I, I sit here and think about that a lot, um, especially talking to our, you know, talking to everybody on the show and thinking about how the army was back then, and then kind of looking at how it is now. Um, I, mean, I work. I work at an ECS at Fort Chaffee here in Arkansas, and I'm around mm-hmm. other soldiers, and you know, doing the drill sergeant gig. So you see a lot of news coming in soldiers and other drills that are active duty and just seeing, you know, folks here and there at different schools and events or whatever. And it is, I, I feel like there is a huge, huge difference in how soldiers are today versus back then. And I think 
you know, Sergeant Major Absher uh, kind of nailed it. Like soldiers today are a lot smarter than they used to, than we used to be. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, but the flow of technology is also insane. You know, it's, it's, it's at a level that we didn't have. Um, but so thank it's, God, it, thank God, by the way, <laughs> right? Geez. but it is it, to me that that's, that's something that's constantly on my mind. And, and one thing that I, another, um, I think, I, I hope like side effect of the show and, and, and things similar to it that we can kind of, you know, at least talk about how things were back then to maybe encourage leaders that are listening now to, to think about what that's like. Well, you know, one, like when I was a Sergeant Major at Fort Bragg, one of the things we used to do is we would bring in a lot of the old veterans. Uh, Command Sergeant Major Rock Merrick, may, may he rest in peace. He was a World War II veteran. You know, mm. he he started off as a private in the 508, in the first of the 508. So as the battalion Sergeant Major, I got, very, I got to know this man very well. And we would bring him in, and he would sit there and tell soldiers what it was like to be a machine gunner on D-Day or mm. – you know stuff from world war ii and big talk about the battle of the bulge and stuff like that and so you know their lessons learned and their go-to attitude and spirit and you know that that understanding <clears throat> of leadership was passed on look at all these generations now to soldiers that mm-hmm. i know that are over leading weapon squads right now and they're like hey sergeant major merrick said you know stuff like that that's so, awesome mm-hmm. stuff that's like awesome that. because i mean that's that's influence that's ex- influence experience on 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 one of the you know uh i don't i don't know how to put it, i mean like the the one of the best worst days in you know united states army history yeah. like being extended to soldiers on the on the on that's a crazy thought to me that's insane what do you mean it's crazy that's what you're doing with this show <laughs> no i mean it. it's Seriously. just absolutely yeah absolutely but it's just it's just i don't know i kind of the kinda, fact kinda, that I, kind of I think what you're them. trying to say is like the fact that those kind of resources are still around and yeah. we're able to use them in an effective way. Yeah. Cause you, you think those soldiers right now on the, on the modern battlefield who are regurgitating the things that they heard from him, yeah. they're telling their soldiers and those soldiers are going to remember it. at least one of them, one of them is going to pass on that same story. And it's just, it's just a crazy thought to me that like experience from the horse's mouth on D day is, is being put into effect um, oh, it's a crazy thought. I love that. Why would you not want to listen to that? Like, I want to Ouch. soak all that up, especially if I know I'm going to be deployed. If you yeah. deploy, if you join the military within the last, what I mean, while this whole war has been going on until about now, I mean, you knew for a fact that you joined it and you're going to go. Oh yeah, you're going to go. So I'm going. I want to hear <clears throat> those kind of stories from the people who are in the middle of the worst situations, <clears throat> and I want to soak that up. And I think more people in leadership positions should maybe try to do some of that digging to get those veterans up there and talk to you guys because things are going to change. They well, that's, that, that's part of the reason. So when I, I did drill sergeant stuff down at Fort Sill, and one of the things that we used to do whenever we go to each, each range had a sign um, that had a, a brief uh, story or a citation from a Medal of Honor recipient. Mm-hmm. And before each training event, we would go over uh, what they did, um, how it related to the Army values, and you know how can you know to sit there and think about like okay, what you're doing, you might be afraid of of the rappel tower. It's forty feet, but think about what this man did, and 
the courage that it took for him to pull these things off. And even today I was reading about um, the three medals of honor that were handed out uh, just recently and their stories. I mean, insane stuff with these, what these people are capable of. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm I'm geeking out right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're good. And you're sidetracking. So we're going to get to the next question, which is uh, your first deployment. How did that go? And where was that at? My first deployment was a peacekeeping operation in 1997 to 80 for about three and a half months. It was definitely uh, how to go. It opened my eyes to uh, Mm. third world countries. I mean, it was interesting. And your rank at that time? Huh? You're a PFC at that point? Yeah. Yeah, I was a PFC. I remember getting... I remember my platoon sergeant, Sergeant Hughes, and we were screwing around the radios for radio checks, and I said something stupid. Not that I would ever say something stupid, but <laughs> he came over and smoked my ass for being a dumbass on the radio. And so I learned real quick when to play around and when not to play around. So, Okay. Yeah, that was probably the best lesson I learned from that deployment. But no, that was a good, you know, we were down in the Caribbean, and Remember, we got to go about once a month. You could go to this resort and just chill out with your squad. And the squad leader took us out there, and we ate probably goat hamburgers and whatever else and fresh seafood off the beach that the locals would bring up to you, and it cost like almost nothing. And then that was a damn swim in the water. <laughs> damn party out there. All right. It was, but there was no alcohol, so. Oh, uh, all right. But you had goat goat hamburgers, goat burger. Well, that's know? what we said they were. We'd have no yeah. idea what they were. We they could have been dog for all we know. Right. We'll just feed this to the Americans. They'll eat. It. <laughs> They'll eat anything. Exactly. They they think they're 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 on vacation. All right. Your uh, next deployment. Next deployment was Kosovo, nineteen ninety nine. So no. October, November 99 to March 2000, somewhere in there, March, April. You were in Kosovo uh, in the beginning? Yeah, we were the second organization in on ground. So I remember when Bond Steel was nothing but uh, GP mediums. Huh. So that's why I had such a, a, a an awe. <clears throat> I took I took Kosovo a little more serious than you guys did when I first got there with you guys because I remember when people were shooting at you in the mountains and you know they were still mm-hmm. finding mines on the roads and the Serbians were throwing landmines in the backyards of the Kosovars and the Kosovars in the backyards of the Serbians because they just didn't like each other. Wild times over there. It, it was interesting times, that was for sure. Yeah. So, I yeah. you know I, when we were in Kosovo, I, I just remember. I don't know if there's a stories from, from the folks that had gone early on, but like that, that time we got stuck up on the Serbian border with me and Sergeant Winchester and Billy Jack and me just being like paranoid as hell because they're like, Oh, we're like a hundred meters from the Serbian border and they could sneak down here at any moment, and like kidnap us and drag us off. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm not sleeping tonight. Hell no. Mm-hmm. You goofy ass. Yep. <clears throat> we're going to hold off on that. Any more Kosovo stories because you know, we were all there at one point. Uh, how did this second deployment uh, shape your military career from from there? Because that's, you know, that was a different kind of deployment from the first one. 
And I'm assuming that you've had some time uh, with your, your battle buddies at that point. So things are a little bit different. Yeah. That is the second deployment. When I went to Kosovo, I was a team leader. Um, mm-hmm. So now I had soldiers that I was in charge of and responsible for. And two of them had kids and they were married. So, you know, at that point I was like, oh, shit. It's not just, you know, the soldier. It's also the family and their livelihoods and everything else. So, no. um. It was interesting because, like, you know, you talk about how we were in co- in Iraq in, you know, 0405 having to hope to get on a, a, a satellite phone and write letters. Well, in 99, you were writing letters. Mm-hmm. And then they were just now starting this thing called email, and they had a battalion email address that your family would send the emails to. And there was basically the S1 clerk up at battalion that would sit there and print all these emails basically reading all your emails too so hopefully nobody was sending anything fun <laughs> but uh yeah and then you'd get an email on printed out and brought to you it's the house of mouse over there reading everyone's emails and those are business hey buddy better hope that one wasn't a creep take it easy yeah jesus <laughs> hopefully pictures weren't being sent and if they were yeah come on the creeper might have uh, kept them for me the creeper is on the prowl your emails, man. We had a little version of uh, Creepy Dick back then, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, but yeah, no, that, that deployment was good. I mean, it had its interesting things. The stuff that was different from the first deployment was, you know, we were finding mass graves. We were, we were walking through the uh, destruction of an air war where they were bombing out, you know, barracks and tanks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it definitely brought the realism of some of the, you know, genocide and stuff like that that you only read about from World War II or different things like that. And you're like, oh, I'll never experience this. And then here you are. So experiencing it firsthand or, yeah. you know. Or seeing, or seeing yeah. the aftermath of it. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, at this part, the uh, point Sergeant Gill, possibly? Yep. So Sergeant... Sergeant, I was promoted in Kosovo to E5, October 1999. All right. Well, Sergeant Gill's out here in the middle of history, literal history going on around him. Genocide and all that kind of stuff. Uh, who was that? Who was in charge of that whole deal at that point? Was it a... Uh, What's the guy who was in charge of? What do you mean? The no, it doesn't matter. The the uh, <laughs> the bad guys. I can't get my mind around the the thing. Oh, Slobodan uh, Milosevic. Slobodan Milosevic. Yeah, was the Serbian commander mm-hmm. who up before this was part of. Uh, you know, we had you know people that were advisors to Slobodan Milosevic with the Serbian command. Huh. Uh, remember. I don't know if you remember Lieutenant White. No, he was over in Alpha Company. But uh, there was a lieutenant we had later on. His dad was a general or something like that. And he was one of Milosevic's advisors from the U.S. Army. That's wow. wild. So, huh. In the middle of it. You know, You're in the middle of it. It, it might be our friend today, but we, you better, we, we better <laughs> be ready to fight him tomorrow. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's a, a fairly common theme. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I had a, a uh, <clears throat> when I was working in Safer Cities for LAPD, there was, I had this female boss. She's badass. She always said, you know, shake everyone's hand and smile, but always have a plan to kill them if you need to. Well, She's yeah, the most badass that, right? person ever. Who is that? that it's, uh, 
the Marine Corps general. Um, he yeah, was, she was uh, she was in the chest- uh, Marine Corps, it- I believe. Yeah, no, was that- he was that in the Navy. One of the two. chesty. No, the one or Maddox. Oh, was Maddox, General Maddox. Maddox, General Maddox. Yeah. Yeah. Shake everybody's hand. Better have a plan to kill him later. Yeah, yeah and she was real. Okay, <clears throat> shout out to uh, I believe. Uh, I won't say her name. Never mind. We'll save that. Yeah, shout out to Mad Dog too, though. Also, definitely. <laughs> yeah, because he's listening. <laughs> yeah, he is. Okay, so, uh, at what point do you leave for Germany? Let's see. I was actually the, when I got, I got orders for Germany after I came back from Argentina in huh. September of two thousand one. What are you doing in Argentina? Uh, it was an operation called Operation Cabanas, Cabanas, something like that. And basically, we with um, CENTCOM, you know, one platoon of paratroopers would go down and work with an SF team and help train NATO partners in South America. Okay. And so that's where I was for September 11th. I was down there. You know, we were in a. Matter of fact, we were in the graduation formation or the the ending ceremonies of Cabanas 2001. And then my one guy in my squad, uh, PFC Mitchell, was standing. I don't, he was standing somewhere near. And I remember because he was a Spanish speaker. I'm like, Mitchell, what the hell are they saying? He's like, I don't know, something about an airplane hitting a a tower or something in Washington or New York or something. And our hearts go out to the American people and the American soldiers. Cause we know what, you know, is coming next and, or mm. we don't know what's coming next for your, your future. And so we're all like, what the hell is he talking about? But wow. when it was over, we all went to the bar and sit there and watched it on TV. And we're like, Oh shit. So we, we left Fort Bragg in peace and we came back to Fort Bragg and, complete confusion and not knowing who's going to war or where we're going to war and doing what and you know you're going somewhere yeah and the beehive is is spun up at this point right oh yeah so about a a month or two later my ex-wife had re-enlisted for germany and um we weren't divorced yet so the Army Married Couples Program threw me on orders, too. So I got sent to Germany. At first, I went kicking and screaming. Like, no way you're going to take me out of any second. There's no way you could go put me in this steel coffin and drive me around the battlefield. I know what's coming. We're going to go fight. Come on, leave me alone. So, Because my unit was leaving for Afghanistan. That's why when I got to Kosovo, man, I was bitter. Them guys were already in Afghanistan. I was like, you got to be shitting me. Here you are going back to Kosovo. Yeah, and yeah. here I was flying with a mech with a mechanized infantry unit. Yeah, but you know we had great leaders then too. In the beginning of when I got there, Coastal Lake. Oh yeah, Sergeant Major Pruitt. Remember him? Mm. Oh yeah, the Op Sergeant Major. He sit there and he he like pulled me off. He's like, "Hey man, calm down. You you'll get your chance." So, and then Sergeant Major Ralph Beam. Oh same yeah. Thing. Also so, rest in peace. Yeah. Oh god, I know. I was that hurt my heart, man. Because I was sitting here talking to a guy here on post, and I was like, "If you want a veteran that's going to take care of you know veterans in this in this area, because I'm in Yuma, Arizona, mm-hmm. he's here. In Yuma. He died here in Yuma, Arizona. Yep. So this is where he lived. And I was like, I just got through telling a guy, I was like, "Hey, reach out to Command Sergeant Major Retired Ralph Beam." 
you know, he'll be able to help you out with what you need to do. And then like two days later, I seen that he passed and I was like, you gotta be shitting me. Yeah. Was not expecting that honestly, but I mean, a guy of that stature, uh, I, don't know, I mean, physically, I guess, but like just his, the, the, the size of his persona. I mean, that's just was not expecting that. No, he, that I tell you what, that ain't the first time I ran into Ralph Beam. I went to Rip in 1997. I didn't quite make it all the way through Rip, but you know, Sergeant Major Beam kept telling me he's like, "You will stay here in my regiment," and I was like, "Sergeant Major, I ain't staying." So he threatened <laughs> to send my aunt private guild to Korea. For about, <laughs> what? Yeah, for about two weeks. You know, he made me strip and mop his floors over there. The 375 for like two weeks and he finally he's like go get your orders to Korea and I went down to the S1 and got more orders to Fort Bragg and he just kind of smiled at me when he seen me walk away and then did, like uh, six years later he's my brigade sergeant major did 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 y'all did y'all have a chance to run into each other and, and talk about it no actually uh well we did 2007 in Baghdad when he was like in charge of Iraq Mm-hmm. So he he came up and with his formation, and, and I was a platoon sergeant then. And I get out of my truck when his guys came into my perimeter, and I walked over to him, and he jumps out, and I was like, "Sergeant Major Beam, how you doing?" He's like, "God damn it, I should have fired your ass years ago. Should have sent your ass to Korea." <laughs> yeah. So, but no, he I I love that guy. He he definitely had an impact on my career you know, do the right thing, try to be out front with your soldiers at all times and, you know, set the mm-hmm. standard. Yeah. You know. well, I'm definitely uh, glad my, uh, my EIB is, uh, it was, was signed off by him. Yeah. Know, in Kosovo. Yeah. Yep. I remember that EIB. And you, the, your first oh. time meeting the, uh, second platoon or our platoon, right? Yeah. I remember the first time I saw you, you saw me cover with baby powder. <laughs> uh, scratching my back against the post of a tent because I had prickly back heat. Yep, in the middle of a silly ass field problem that we had in the middle of Kosovo. Now, was that Brown? Correct me. Was that before or after somebody had an AD in the back of a Bradley with a two four nine? Oh, uh, I think that may have been just after. So you're probably thinking like, oh fuck. I was standing on top of a hill looking down at everything because I just reported back then Lieutenant Colonel Grigsby mm-hmm. and he's sitting there talking to me and he checks my shoulder and he's like you're not a ranger what the f is going on you're coming to 82nd you're a staff sergeant and I was like Roger sir I just haven't had a chance to get there yet I'll, you know, I'll square that away as soon as I can yeah. and then all of a sudden we hear Brrr. He goes, there's your squad down there. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) At that point, you're like, I should have took those orders to Korea. (laughs) (laughs) No. I I was sitting there. I was trying to figure out, like, what the hell am I going to do out of the back of a Bradley? I mean, I've done airfield insertions with a T-10 parachute. I've done helicopter insertions. Now you expect me to jump out of the back of a big, loud mechanical vehicle. Yeah, this ain't adding up, right? Yeah. But it was all good. I remember that. That was the first time I ever got to do table twelve. Yeah. <clears throat> now no idea a thousand times but... prior to uh, prior to prior to coming to us lately like, and, and and dealing with the Bradleys and everything. Like, had you ever really seen them in action? No. 
So what was your what was your first impression? Uh, same as pretty much every light infantry guy back then was like, there is no way that thing is a steel <laughs> coffin. I'm going to get killed. You know, I'm going to die. I'm going to burn alive inside it and all that other stuff. Craziness. I don't <laughs> want to deal with it. But seeing that cannon go off didn't kind of sway you a little bit? Uh, you know what? That cannon never convinced me until the ODA house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good call. Yeah, that, that'll change things a little bit. You know what, when I watched, you know, when me and Baggett figured out, hey, have two guns go with AP and have the other two guns follow those AP with HE, mm-hmm. and we watched that one house come down, <laughs> man, <laughs> that is a whole new force to be reckoned with. Oh, it is absolutely wild to me, just the, 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 the things that we have available to us and and how we learned to use them it just always blew my mind especially with who we were fighting yeah 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 so uh kosovo is gonna be uh kosovo is over we go back to swineford kosovo's over uh, it's over quick. hey we gotta move through because this man has a ton of shit to talk about i don't want to get bogged down with dumb kosovo bullshit because we've already been there uh <laughs> hey you know I gotta keep this part, keep this boat motoring. Yeah. We get back to Schweinfurt, Germany, and uh, you, we know what's coming because uh, you know we're starting to see uniform changes and tanks being painted different colors. Oh yeah, we know that we know what's coming, and that is always just more fucking field time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? But we may have trained hard, but I think we played even harder. Oh, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, this is uh, two thousand three. And we always say 2003 was a really special year for Blue Spaders because it was. we were yo-yo back and forth with the, are they going to deploy? They're not going to deploy. Here's your gear. We want to take your gear back. You guys can live out of a box. Things kind of escalated within the uh, platoons. Mm-hmm. Things got crazy at some point. Uh, and here you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It. That was that was a fun time because I remember every time one of somebody I don't know who exactly it was I don't remember everybody that would get in trouble for drinking this or drinking that or doing something stupid at the rock or you know the rock the rock fabrique or the mega drone or whatever mm-hmm. I would get that phone call from Sergeant First Class Swaney <laughs> Sergeant Gale. I need you to take those gentlemen out there for a run. It's Saturday morning. I don't give a shit. Get them in formation and run them. Get them out there right now. We would do the jungle boot run all the way out to the area, Mike. Uh, Well, that explains it. So you're telling me that you're absolutely going to pass the blame on Desarn Swamy, who's not here to defend himself? (laughs) No. Call him up right now. He'll tell you. Said, we go run their ass, and I said, Yes, Sergeant. Yeah, what so. are you gonna do? See, it's orders, orders are orders. That's the boss. What are you gonna do? Well, I didn't give a shit. I was single and you know, recently divorced. I didn't really have a life at the time, so it was like, Well, hell, you know, we're about to all go out and do that. I remember the first platoon meeting I had as a squad leader there, and you know, I walk in and right after in process, and and we're sitting there, and Ferris is sitting there, Golf is sitting there, Felice's there, you know, all these great 
NCOs, and I'm like looking up to them, like God, I hope I can learn something from these guys because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> and you know, they're sitting there talking about doing a 25 mile road march, and I'm like, holy shit! I was like, I've just looked at the host of this battalion as I was out there doing PT, but I don't think we can go out and do a 25 mile foot march right now. And he said, no, not a foot march, a road march. And I was like, well, what's the difference? He goes, well, on the road march, we're going to get inside the Bradleys and drive 25 miles and make sure everything works right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. All right, I'll sit back and shut up. Go, go Army. All right. Yeah. I was about to say, man, what, what, what have I been missing? Yeah. 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 Things are definitely different in the mech. But I remember when I was the RTO and I was assigned to uh, the mounted squad for PT, we would, uh, on, on run days, we'd leave the company, head like we're going to that back gate to the tank trail. And yeah. then about a quarter mile before we got there, we made a sharp right turn into this alleyway behind some buildings. And then we would do some light stretching, stand around and smoke cigarettes. And <laughs> Oh, man, you can jam it. You can jam it sideways. Me, man. If you were in Sergeant Gill Squad, we're out there running. And we're oh, doing yeah. something, man. We're out there doing some shit. To the point that when you came back from uh, PT and you go to try to eat, you can't even pick up the cup of water to your mouth because your arms are just that weak. That's what kind of PT we had. Yeah. So, we, I yeah, tell you what, you know, you, know, around the corner. It, you know, it didn't affect him, but that shit hurt every single day. Oh, no. I remember coming back and your ankle was blown out completely. And I'm like, oh, well. <clears throat> and he just kind of kept on going. I'm like, all right, here we go. This guy's insane. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I used to sit there and just – it used to push me more, especially when Sergeant Major Absher would come. We'd go by the gate, and he'd be like, okay, we're going back in, guys. Here's the gate. I'm like, well, fuck that. We're going to walk. We're going to run right past this gate. We're going to go around there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the whole time, like, guys, Caldwell in the back, like, oh, I thought we were going to be done. Like, no, nah, man, you keep letting this uh, dude defeat your mind. You got to stay sharp. Of course he's going to run past it at the end. Of course, he's going to keep going. Yeah. Caldwell. I love that dude. Yeah. Like, hey, luckily, yeah. Uh, luckily before, before I went to Mountain Squad, I was with Sergeant Smith. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we went, we would go run on the economy. We stop at every red light, do push ups. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. And that's when I learned that there's, there's two different kinds of people that come from Fort Bragg. <laughs> 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 Definitely a great appreciation for both because I, Sergeant Smith, I fucking love that man. I hope he is doing well. I haven't seen much of him um, on social media or anything, but God, that guy was amazing. Yeah, his wife's on social media. Uh, you can find her on there. So, yeah, I think I'm friends yeah, with her, but I don't, I don't see her ever uh, posting much. They um, don't. They don't. I'll yeah. send him a message every now and then, see how he's doing. I got his phone number somewhere, I think. So, <clears throat> but I think yeah, yeah. I want to say he retired up out of Fort Riley area. Oh, okay. Well, dang, that's just right up the road for me. Yeah, you. that makes sense. So <laughs> we um, we know that we're going to be uh, deploying soon, and uh, to us personally, the guys in our squad felt like everything really turned up quite a bit. Um. Clearly, I mean, things are, are serious. We, yeah. we, know, uh, we know our number's coming. We know that we're going to be deploying. Uh, all this fun, crazy shit going on right now is going to end. It's really time to buckle down and get ready. Uh, do you think, or how do you think that all the training, back-to-back training, how do you think that 
prepared us for uh, what was coming. I think what that allowed us to do was definitely rely on each other to the point that, I mean, you guys really didn't need to know what I was thinking. You know, if if we had to go do something, we knew what each other was capable of and how to do it. Mm-hmm. We knew each other's strengths. We knew each other's weaknesses. We knew our shadows in the dark. So, yep. you know, I think that's what really prepared us for all that is being out in the woods and, you know, training for that. So mm-hmm. I think all of that just made us, a you know, a stronger, tight-knit brotherhood, you know. You know, we trained as we mm-hmm. were going to fight. We ended up fighting as we trained, and I think that's what kept us going. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and, and and like I said before, and, and and you brought up, I mean, you, you know, you coming over. Um, I mean, you, the, the Wellers, uh, when we got Regan, um, and uh, like I said, Sergeant Smith, like a lot of you guys from from the Light World brought over a lot of training. Yeah. Um, techniques that we just never did you know um because i mean i mean you got to think like at the time you know what was it 2001 when they finally did away with the whole 11 mike thing at 11 hotels and everybody bravos or charlies general and so then mm -hmm. yeah isn't he isn't he also the one that implemented the black berets yes he is yep he did but i mean the main reason well (laughs) From my partake on the main reason why he got rid of 11 mics and 11, you know, hotels and that is because, you know, some of these units, the the mech units in the hotels and stuff, they started using the infantry to protect the vehicles instead of the vehicles becoming a rolling support by fire to protect the infantry and support the maneuver and uh, in, in that of the infantry. Mm-hmm. So, and what we did, you know, with Baggett, with, you know, the Smee, the Smiths, the Wollers, and all that. What we started doing was we we're fighting the infantry and using the Bradleys to support us throughout these maneuvers and maneuver movements. So, right. yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was, I honestly, I always figured it had a lot to do with just kind of cross training because you you would have light guys that would jump around, say from Bragg to Campbell to to Tenth Mountain or whatever, and your mm-hmm. mech guys would jump around from first ID to third ID to fourth ID, and then that's just kind of what they always knew. Yeah. Um, so, but when they, when, when we started receiving you guys, I mean, you guys brought like a whole new level of training and understanding of like just combat operations, run, run how to run the battle drills. I mean, yeah. it was, it, it definitely like broadened our uh, horizon and, uh, def- I mean, definitely hands down, definitely made us way better fighters. And I think, I think we, we showed that pretty well, um, yeah, while yeah. we were deployed. I think it also weeded a lot of the bullshit out. Like, hey, uh, <clears throat> this shit's going to get turned up. And if you're not ready, uh, you're going to get ran over. Yeah. And uh, I think that was a positive, personally. Uh, it's not like I'm saying I'm like some kind of badass fucking dude. But, <laughs> which was not the case, man. It was just trying to keep up. But like, you know you what? Couldn't... None of us individually were badasses. I mean, come on, oh, no. we were forced yeah. to be recognized. Absolutely. You know, we fed <clears throat> each other's strengths throughout that entire deployment. I think that's why we were able to go through, and you know, only a couple of Purple Hearts and stuff like that. And, they, you know, even the guys that got wounded, that shit was dumb luck. God meant that to happen no matter what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was no <laughs> – every you know, single one of them was just cr- wild. Right. Yeah, and could have been so much worse. So yeah, sometimes – I, when I when I tell people like you know so I you know when I deployed yeah we didn't lose anybody out of our platoon and uh, only one KI in the company and a, and a handful of purple hearts I'm like really like did you guys even do anything so, oh yeah. yeah we did things 
Like yeah. we were busy. Like, I mean, I don't, people don't seem to understand. Like, Oh no, I deployed in Oh four. Like, oh, back when it was the wild West. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was in Samara. Oh shit. The place of the mosque and stuff. Yeah. 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 The very same. And you guys didn't have like any real like major problems. Like, no. I was like, did you guys ever go out in sector? Yeah. Yeah. We, we lived, lived there. there. We lived you know there. How lucky we were though. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I remember. Holy cow! I remember so many times that there. I just shouldn't be here talking to any of you. <laughs> yeah. No. You know. I was there with you for like what was it seventy percent of it up until I got put mounted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, were you up there in the hotel with us on Baton Rouge? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because it was that dude to the wall with the two four nine on the rooftop. <laughs> Possibly. And then, and then he turned to his right and kept walking down the road because he was probably so doped up on drugs. Yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. Because remember, I, t- I had Epling. He's, and I, I took him down to the top floor. And I was like, hey, I want you to put a cat hole right there in that wall right there. And then so that way you don't get shot or anything. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, give me the damn gun. <laughs> and I shot the 50 rounds in the wall and took the sledgehammer and knocked that hole out. Yeah, it was pretty badass. We were sitting there watching fucking traces and shit fucking blasting through this wall but it was it was it was fucking crazy man like we're already in the middle of some crazy shit but here we are punching holes in walls with fucking machine guns like men it's crazy yeah but you know that's what i mean we we fed off each other's strengths Mm -hmm. you know i any any time that y'all said hey sergeant this you know i always trusted it because i knew that we knew each other Mm -hmm. so yeah that was a, that's a fact. At that point, um, you were the well, well kind of you were the newest guy to the to our our platoon. Yeah. Before going into something, before going into that deployment. Yeah. So we were pretty tight uh, as it was, and you definitely made it made it better for for lack of a better word. Even oh. though you're kicking on doors like a psychopath, waking us up <laughs> oh, Saturday afternoon. Hate that. <laughs> oh man! So so thankfully I wasn't I, I didn't have to go run on Saturday mornings, but I do remember hearing the doors like what the fuck is going on out there? Oh, Sarn Gill's at it again. Like, oh my god, this guy hates everybody. <laughs> imagine if you will, imagine folks if you're listening. It's a Saturday morning, so Friday night you went out, got some beers, to the rock you, fabric. You mm-hmm. had a good ass time. All right, you could have possibly had a girl. Or whoever, you know, come by your Or you were stamper drinking Sarm Rangers, you know, bourbon. <laughs> yeah. There could be a, a whole Marvel's universe of different scenarios that could pop off that would cause Sergeant Gill to walk backwards to your door, brace his hands on the outside of that frame, and mule kick the crap <laughs> out of that door multiple times to get you up and moving. I don't know how you didn't knock any of those doors. I mean, I, 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 they were in you know metal metal door frames, but geez, man, you you laid into those doors. You just keep it on the kick plate down at the bottom by the hinge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know yeah. that I'm happened. Sure Brown's done the same thing being a police officer as long as he was in L.A. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know where to kick a door to keep it together. You can kick it at the bottom, you're okay. You kick it by the knob, you're all it's it's coming down. Oh, it's going down. So. Kick anything by the knob, it's going down. You kick me by the knob, I'm going down. <laughs> sure. I'm sure that's been tested and, and tried true. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, on that, we're on that bus <laughs> and on that plane on over to Kuwait. Oh, man. I tell you what. 
That you know what? Before we got on that bus, that was the greatest, one of the greatest formations we ever sat in. <clears throat> the change of response. The change. Of oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. yeah. I was wondering. I, I, was, you I, was, what, I was hoping that's you what know, you were about to say. From a squad leader's perspective, you know there was a lot of us that were like, "Okay, we can breathe a sigh of relief now." You know, because here we are with a brand new lieutenant. Lieutenant Montrose already went up to headquarters. Mm-hmm. And shit, we ain't going to Turkey no more. We're going straight into this town called Samar. You know, it, what do they call the Triangle of Death or something like that? <laughs> Sunni, Su- Su- yeah, Sunni Triangle, yeah. The Sunni Triangle, the Triangle of Death. Mm-hmm. You know, we were getting reports every day. There was this many RPGs fired. This was this many rockets fired and all this other stuff. So, and if you remember right before that, right before we deployed on the news, they were talking about how they went in with their tank battalion and leveled a couple of buildings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, you know, we got to keep the boys' uh, attitudes up and their motivation high, you know, but this is the kind of shit we're about to go into. Like, okay, yeah. here we are. Let's, let, let's go. So here I think we, we went to what, Camp New York? <clears throat> yeah, Camp New York. Yeah. So for uh, you guys listening, there's a bunch of different camps, big ass uh, areas where these guys are about to go into Iraq. They kind of stage and get their shit together, get their feet together, technically, mm-hmm. you know how we say, so to uh, speak. before they go into, you know, go into <laughs> Iraq. And we're at Camp New York. There's a bunch of guys listening, probably there also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so we went there, and then remember we did a bunch of live fires. Yeah. Um, we acclimated for we were there for what two weeks? Three weeks. Yeah, we're there three weeks. Yeah. Yep. That's right. I remember before we left, we ended up, you know, buying every cigarette we could find <laughs> yeah. while we were taking turns, <laughs> filling sandbags and trying to destroy our Humvees with weighting them down with that stuff. Yeah. So Oh yeah. Who did you ride over uh over the border with? Honestly, I don't quite I remember I was a TC in a truck. Okay. I want to yeah, you're not going to be around right? because you were the saw gunner at the time. You no, no, I was. Uh, I was in a. I was in a Bradley with Peeps and Griff. That's right. Uh, Caldwell, I think, was the saw gunner in the back. Okay, yeah, makes and sense. It might have been Tinsley. I'm not sure who. I, yeah, I think <laughs> I think Tinsley, that boy toy, was in there with us. <laughs> so. <laughs> Any yeah, good stories uh, riding over? The whole time. What's that? Any good stories riding over? Um, I vaguely remember getting lost in Baghdad, but by the time we got, I found out in the convoy, I think it got straightened out. I remember that convoy <laughs> was just long. Yeah. And I'm just glad nobody attacked us because I think we'd have all slept right through it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I can admit I, it was uh, more than a few hours. I was down below in the Bradley, uh, that troop area sleep while we're just yeah. motoring through shit. Oh, Lucky. yeah. I mean, I fully understand why we had to go through as fast as we did to get to where we were going. But at the same time, man, that was that was dangerous. We, we it was yeah. intense. Yeah. So I just definitely the longest drive of my life, I think. Oh yeah. yeah. What was going through your mind as a squad leader? Not well, squad leader, uh, going into this combat situation. Like we're in the middle of it now. We're here. We're, we're yeah. at least we're we're rolling into it. We're not quite here yet. But yeah, it it, it wasn't quite. You know, the, the lieutenant Wesley. All right, boys, lock and load. It was, 
<laughs> it, it was definitely more like, oh shit, I hope I'm ready for this. I don't let these guys down. You know. Mm-hmm. I, now, you know, did I prepare them enough? Did right. I prepare myself enough? Is there anything that I should have done that I'm, you know, you you ask these things. No matter if it's your first deployment or your fifth deployment, mm-hmm. you wonder about those things. Absolutely, I feel like if if you're even a half-assed decent uh, leader of any kind, NCO officer was, um, if you're not asking yourself those questions. Um, there's something wrong with you. You probably don't need to be leading troops. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. <clears throat> and there's, you know, I don't do any of that stuff now. I mean, the last deployment was two years ago to Afghanistan. But even now with what I do here with testing stuff for, for the future Army, you know, I look at everything. I'm like, okay, can you survive this? If it gets turned sideways on this, if it falls into a canal, you know, am, mm-hmm. am I doing the future Army justice by, you know, not asking these questions or do I just mm-hmm. shut up? So... I now, asked the questions. By this point, by this point, because I know you, you, you know the thing that got you to join the uh, the airborne uh, infantry was that Ranger tape. Now, by this point, you have your tab, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, when we got back oh, from man. Kosovo, I mm-hmm. went to Ranger school, and I think I was one of the first ones to graduate and since Zom. Zom. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Actually, I, I think right. you were the first one since uh, Sergeant Zom, and yep. uh, um. And you, you were down there. You also hit hit a Pathfinder too, right? Yeah. Yes. And Sergeant Major Kalpina called me at the first day of class and said, "Get your ass back here because we're going to Grafenbeer in two months, and you're going to take your squad to <laughs> Iraq." So <laughs> I did not get to go to Pathfinder. Oh. Okay. I, okay. But I, I, I do remember that. One. I, I remember. I remember you coming back pissed because they would. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, and I got to ask. Um, and it, it, I know I'll get into that later, but like I got to ask for people listening, if they're you know thinking about Ranger School, or whatever. Do you think what you experienced at Ranger School and what you learned there, um, just solely that material, uh, do, do I mean how how did it have an impact on 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 you as a as a as a you know squad leader as a leader in general in the infantry or in the army, especially going into our deployment. Going into that deployment, that time in Ranger School definitely taught me that, hey, your body can definitely do way more than it thinks it can. Mm-hmm. You have to mentally prepare yourself and understand how to mentally push yourself on. And then as a leader, what am I looking for to see the confusion, to see the tiredness, to see the deprivation in my soldiers of food, sleep? And stuff like that to know when they're being pushed to their limit and when to say, hey, sit, sit down and eat that MRE real quick. Right. You know, or drink some more water. Hey, let me check your nods. I, I, I trust you did it, but, you know, PCCs and PCIs, now it's an inspection. Now I'm going to look at this because you might have forgotten something. Yeah. So, you know, as, it definitely a... taught <clears throat> you that you're going to have human error with you know, sleep deprivation, food deprivation and stuff like that. And how do, how do I mitigate that as a leader to, you know, I understand that this is going to happen. And even, you know, and to flip that uh, to, to, to being the one being led, because, you know, I, I know I check myself. I don't need you to check it for me. You have to be able to step back from that uh-huh. and kind of maintain that, that, that humble composure and be like, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I, I might be too far gone. I might be too exhausted. I appreciate you double checking. Yep. No. Yeah, as no. a member of his squad, like 
I remember like thinking that at first, like, wow, I know I haven't. Like, he knows that the team leaders that he put in charge checked me to make sure that I had it. So why is he checking it too? I didn't pick up on that. I didn't understand that as a young kid going into like combat. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't get that that was just my squad leader being a hard ass as he is normally. Now he's still being a hard ass, but he's checking to make sure that my shit's straight because you know, things are really about to get rocky because we're about to get into landing in not landing, but uh parking at Brassfield Mora. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna take a quick break and be right back with that with on before I forget. There you go. Hey guys, Tyree here with Before I Forget, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Anchor.fm. It's the platform that we're using to broadcast our podcast to you. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer, kind of like what I'm doing right now. When hosting Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Radio, and tons more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. Best thing you can do if you're looking to start your own podcast is go ahead and download Anchor.fm to get started. Now, let's get to our show before I forget. All right. So, everyone, hey, welcome back to Before I Forget. Uh, We left off with the uh, arriving into Samara, uh, staying in, in... putting our beds together and all that kind of shit in uh, Brassville Mora. What was your first impressions on uh, our living conditions? I, honestly, I was thinking, man, we got this pretty good. There's air conditioners. There's these little steel <laughs> boxes we can live in. You know. Compared to what those guys that did the initial jump. push. Yeah. yeah. Compared to what the guys did on the initial push, what they had, geez. I mean, just – I remember when we got there, they I mean just seeing them and they just look so haggard, so worn out. Like, fuck man, we are in for it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, same. I remember looking at one of the uh, one of the guys like man, you guys have been through everything, man. And I don't mm-hmm. I'm not happy to be here, but you know, you can go home now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going out with some of those guys, some the squads and that and I remember thinking, I was like, man, these guys are like freaking cowboys. They're just throwing this shit together and hoping to survive it. But, you know, that's probably what the next thing yeah. thought of us when we were going through. But, Well, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, that's kind of the hand that they were dealt a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously we'd been in Afghanistan for, what, two years at that point. But, I mean, Iraq rotations, I mean – Hey, go in, do this, and uh, good luck. Well, yeah, I mean that that first rotation, they did, they weren't really seeing the IEDs yet. They weren't seeing the complex attacks and ambushes yet. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we that, that we were the first in the started. Yeah, yeah, we were the first to really start to see that kind of thing. Yeah, <clears throat> Easter Sunday was the first big one for us. So yeah, so uh, yeah. tell me a little bit about your memories about Easter Sunday. Let's see. Easter Sunday, we we were out on checkpoint. That was during was it some kind? It was some kind of religious holiday. Was it Ramadan? Mm, no, I think Ramadan was later that year. Um, yeah, it's summertime. It was double check the calendar. Else. It was it was specific to that city. It was a major holiday, and all kinds of 
people like migrated to Samara for that specific holiday. And oh, we, they, uh, they were, and they were like, Hey, we're going to give it back to them for this holiday, for this significant event. And you guys are going to go pull outer security. Remember we went out to the highways and we pulled mm-hmm. checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Remember Brown, and I punched out that windshield cause that guy wouldn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I was like surprised because it's like, damn, this glass is soft. Yeah. So, and here so, I'm like, man, this guy's over here punching glass. What the, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, is going I just on? wanted him to get his attention, and the whole thing exploded. So, yeah. but uh, it looked pretty badass. But we'll, we'll I digress. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember as we we were doing that, and then because that's when we were camping in the desert, and you know, and you know, we hadn't quite started the you know hands across the desert crap yet. But, right. Yeah. We did that, and I remember at the end of the holiday, we were pulling back in because we were kind of working with the police. We were doing a lot of the outer security, and then the police were doing the inner security. And little did we know, we couldn't trust them yet. But uh, right, I was we were just on thinking. our way back in for our, I think it was our Easter meal because they were like, hey, you know, their holiday's over. Ours is basically just beginning. So. Let's go back in. There's going to be some good food for us and all this other stuff. We were we'd been out like three or four days. I can't remember which. And then I remember across the radio, they're like, "Hey, you know, uh, the National Guard got hit. And, you know, the one dude was he took an RPG to the chest in the back of the five ton. It was Nathan Brown. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And uh, I remember from there, everything just started turning into like slow motion movie stuff, you know, looking through that porthole in the back of the Bradley. Yeah. You know, hey, drop us off, banging on it, call hollering at Ferris and like, dude, drop us off, get us out of this damn Bradley. Let's go. We need to do this. And then just listening to them, you know, Ferris and uh, who was the gunner? It had to be uh, Mikey. Yeah, it Walker. Was, yep. Yeah, Walker. Walker. You know, just them talking back and forth. Yeah, smoked him, moving to the target, moving this, moving that. Like, holy crap. You know, and then everybody talks about, you know, First Sergeant Salinas. I remember looking out the porthole, him back there, and, you know, turning his gack sideways and, like, trying to push the bullets <laughs> out the muzzle faster as he's, like, cussing at him. You can just see you cussing at him. So I was like, holy shit, what is going on around here? So... I remember they dropped this, <clears throat> dropped the ramp for a second, and we got out and uh, we grabbed some guys, uh, zip yeah. stripped, and uh, yeah. we we're patting them down and asking questions and shit, and they're just as shocked as we are about yeah. what the hell is going on. And then somebody hollered, "Mount back up!" and and we just left those dudes <laughs> zip tied on the side <laughs> of the road. <laughs> I think I we did that one more bit. time. We didn't, we didn't zip, we didn't zip anybody up, but. The second we actually mounted back up, mortars landed exactly where we were landing. That's right. So things were really going really nuts really fast. Oh, that's you know, a bummer. I remember, oh, man. I remember later that day when we got, you know, they finally let us out of the back of the Bradleys out in the middle of the trash pits. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there on the berms, like pulling security towards the town. We're in between Bradleys. And you can hear this, like they turned the Bradley mics up as loud as they could so everybody could hear it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see, I think it was you, Brian. You're like, hey, sir, what's that shit? And it was like little puffs of smoke coming from the rooftop out, out in the city. And it was RPGs being fired at us. Yeah. They, they come and flew way <laughs> over our heads and landed behind us. But we're like, holy shit. Yeah. 
it was like they were using them as indirect fire. It was uh, really, we knew they, I mean, we we're safe. These fucking guys, they weren't going to hit anything, but it was still pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, because you see these little trails of smoke, you know, <laughs> yeah. starting way off in the distance. And then I remember that pretty vividly. Mm. And then I think that was around the same time that pilot got shot. It was. And that, and that, and that bird came down behind us. Mm-hmm. You know, and they told us, hey, you know, the pilot got shot and he's going to take off. He's going to fly back. And we all kind of looked at each other like, shit. OK. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So well, there's a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of wild things going on at, at that intersection. That that uh, car coming at us. Um, Walker. Was it Walker? Oh, Walker took that car down because right, right before Walker engaged. I remember across the radio, all the command net radio and all the squad leaders were on it. And we were like, you know, we heard the the commander at the time sitting there saying, hey, any and every car or vehicle that's out at this point in time engage as if they are hostile. Yeah. And not like two seconds later, Walker's like, okay, I heard the man. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I mean, then but things, about things 10 change later, so quickly. Yeah, exactly. Like, Hold on. Make sure they have hostile intent and weapons. <laughs> but the thing is, in, in Walker's defense, I'm sure he assumed, like, hey, we were just in the middle of all kind of crazy fights right now. Oh, they were. I mean, he's, he's, point, he's, right? uh, yeah, he's at 110. And here this car comes. They don't know the, the ROE, but I mean, who are we to say, hey, these, these guys aren't going to come try to blow up, you know, blow up that yeah. Bradley? So well, I understand I 100% with that. Like, uh, Yeah, no, I agree. I remember talking with Walker and Ferris, and they're, they're like, it was all military-age males in the car, mm-hmm. you know, and there was a secondary. And to his defense, too, he could call because there was a secondary explosion in that vehicle. And mm. then a couple of times that happened that day, yeah. you know. I don't know. But, I mean, that's just testament of the ever, ever-changing ever and ever-evolving, you know, battlefield. I mean, you really do never know what's going to be in front of you or behind you to your left and right. Um, ROE changes, uh, you know, on a dime and as a soldier in the battlefield, you have to be uh, flexible. You have to have that adaptability. I mean, you have to, and you have to use that good judgment that you've been provided and trained. Right. Absolutely. You know, you, you know, they, they say spidey sense, six cents, whatever, but there's times when there's something just does not feel right and you know it. Yeah. But when, at what point does that sense kick in when nothing ever feels right is is what i think is is the the driver not the driver the gunner's issue yeah is man you don't know when to pull the trigger but if you don't man it can go sideways fast because you got all these guys in the back yeah uh yeah you got the driver who's down here you can't do shit anyway i mean i i have to make not me but you know those those gunners have to make those decisions so you know hats off to walker for that yeah well like you know like we talked about earlier you know the the infantry's out there fighting the fight, and that 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 mechanized gunner and commander is sitting there only with that little periscope vision of the situation has to yeah. support everybody. Yeah. You know, you are that deep fight capability that that soldier doesn't have past that two forty. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's some calls that have to be made that you know we might regret one day, but you know, at the time, as long as, you know, like I always used to tell, I don't know if I told you guys this, but I was like, I don't care if you love or hate me, but as long as you're 90 years old and hate me, I don't care. I did my job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so, <laughs> you know, we're talking about leadership. Uh, you got your first taste of, well, not first taste, but first heavy duty overdose of, uh, 
Wild Bill at, at the uh, leadership position. <laughs> How did that go? Uh, we we didn't hear what was going on between comms with you and uh, Sergeant Bagger for the most part. Uh, what was going on with those conversations? You know, honestly, you know, me and Bill used to joke around. Remember, we used to sneak out of uh, Yvonne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to sneak out, and it was. We never did anything wrong. We always tried to get that some bitch was always putting landmines out there on the one entry entry yeah, yeah. point on the yeah. side of the road. But it's not like we <clears> snuck <throat> out and we're doing our own missions and shit. We were just sneaking out to that one building off to the side of Yvonne to get a clear shot down there where that dude used to throw the landmines in the uh, moon dust. Yeah. But it's we always called it. It's we're a like, pain you know, in the ass. Could, yeah. That, that's, um, I remember crawling under there and pulling that one landmine out that one time because we just had to get out of there. I was like tired of fucking around with that shit. Mm. But, uh, we used to joke around. I was like, man, we should film this shit and call it Gill and Bill's, you know, Bill and Gill's Outdoor Adventures. In our oh, country. man. <laughs> God, I, I wish those videos existed. Uh, the conversations on those walks, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. oh it was, we, I, honestly, we just talked. We never really, it was like, it was never really Red 7, this is Red 1, or Red 1, this is Red 7, or any of that shit. It was like, hey, mm-hmm. Hey Gil, I need you to do this. You got Roger Summer or Sarn. We got that. Let's go. Because remember, yeah. we used to do some. You know, thinking back at it, we put a lot of planning and effort into some of that stuff. But some of that shit was just dumb luck. You know, we would drop off, you know, three squads worth and leave one squad behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know, like we talk about the twelve days of Christmas. You know, hey, I need you guys to act like you're just a bunch of re- you know not paying attention simpletons on top of this rooftop, but keep your head on a swivel because somebody's going to shoot at you if we don't look like, if we look like we're not expecting it. Yeah. So we need to save there. The save there was immaculate, by the way. I just want you to know that. Yeah. I appreciate that. But, uh, (laughs) we, (laughs) but you know, we used to do that to invite an attack to get the Bradleys to come out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and, and waste them. It's, it's funny that you put it that way. Cause like, I mean, a part of a part of combat is just a part of our mission over there. I mean, obviously, like hearts and minds and stuff like that, interacting with people, trying to like show that we're not like there to be the bad guy. But at the same time, we're also we're we're hunting the bad guy by by making ourselves an easier target and you know allowing them to hunt us. Well, um, do you remember the nickname they had for us? Mm-mm. The angry ants. Yeah, I was gonna say the oh the distance. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You don't mess with those 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 big metal vehicles because the angry ants will come out and kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I dug that fully. Dug that. I'm like, I'll take that uh, little nickname, the angry yeah. ants. But that was pretty cool. I think, I and I also that. think that might be the name of this episode, the angry ants. <laughs> I mean, it, just it, hit it right it there. Is, just hit it, is, it. It is pretty rad that we. Uh, that we had a, a nickname, like they referred to us as something, you know. Well, we That's had all. a nickname, and there was also a bounty on our heads. Yeah, what? I, don't, so I didn't know there that. Was a bounty for anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred American for any of the angry ants that they could kill. <laughs> nice. So, I'm glad wasted that, money. Wasted I'm gl- money. Yeah, I'm glad they couldn't well, make they didn't any, get of any of it. So. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's almost like we're on the same level as uh, as the legend himself, uh, Chris Kyle. Yeah, he was in the he he started he cut his teeth in Samar from what I remember. 
Yeah, you. I mean, you said that in the group. I was absolutely floored. I had no idea that, well, uh, which is a good thing, right? Because that's kind of how you want it to be. Yeah, you're yeah, not supposed to know. I, I, I can't 100% confirm things, but in his, you know, in his book and stuff like that, he talks about being in Samara, and it's about the same time frame that we were in Samara, and we mm-hmm. had those brand new, you know, Navy SEAL snipers there. So, I mean, yeah, simple math. <clears throat> yeah, it, it it adds up. I'll take it. Those, those, those were some interesting times because they did not know the town as well as we did. and It, it, it was fun. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, I remember times. his spotter. I remember Sarm Baggett was so pissed because that night, it wasn't my night to take them out. It was, yeah, I think Bill took them out. And the spotter missed a dude at like 150 yards or 150 <laughs> meters or something like that. And he was so pissed. He's like, he had them. He had him. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you, man. He was so mad. He's like, God damn Navy SEALs. <laughs> Speaking of uh, odd missions or anything like that, there, are there any missions that really stood out in your head like that was just odd and awkward? The Golden Mosque or the Golden Koran. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember, remember, like you said it, and Kevin said it. And, you know, we knew we were going into an ambush that night. But mm-hmm. I remember, remember, we had to go up on top of that one building, pull security down on top of a uh, uh, Baggett and his wingman. Mm-hmm. Yes, and me and uh, me and Tinsley got into it a little bit. He's like, "Are you sure they're not going to shoot at us on top there?" I was like, "God damn it, Tinsley, let's go on the, top of the fucking roof." <laughs> and I remember arguing with him about that for a few minutes. So, I think at some point, uh, me and Caldwell got separated from you guys, and we're in a hole down, uh, down, down uh, on the corner for some reason. I don't know how or why that happened. Yeah, for a short period, you got pulled out because we thought I think we thought the lieutenant was going to come out. I don't remember if that was Gunther or Westland at the time, but I think we were supposed to dismount with them. So I pushed y'all two down there, and then found out he wasn't going to come, and then Mm -hmm. I ended up shooting that one dude that was kept sneaking up behind I think it was either golf's track or baggage track I can't remember mm-hmm. he came out and he it didn't look like he had a weapon at first but he had the, the AK like hidden down on his left leg and we were looking at him from his right so mm. I remember one way or him. another somebody's always uh just happen to be there watching over one of those tracks and 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 grabbing somebody or, or taking somebody down. Oh, dude! Every and time. it's always us. Yeah, always us from from your squad. That I tell you what, man. Uh, for you, I was teaching at ROTC in the University of Tennessee in like oh eight. Mm-hmm. Let's see, no oh nine, oh nine or no oh ten, and we were talking about and some kids, some of the students were bringing up you know Samara. And talking about stuff they read in the news and stuff like that. So, and one of them's like, "Hey, let's pull it up on Google Earth." So I'm sitting there in the classroom, and imagine a like a three foot by three foot blow up of Google Earth. And we're sitting there, and I was talking to him about like um, the twelve day, our little twelve days of Christmas. And mm-hmm. I got to looking, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's a VS seventeen panel on the roof." I was like, "Well, that means okay." And I started looking. Our Bradleys, you could see our platoon set up on one of these missions. 
Yes. I mean, then Google Earth <laughs> has changed now. But there yeah, for yeah. a while, you could get on Google Earth, and somewhere on one of my computers, I got a screenshot of it. But you can see a VS-17 panel for, like, my squad, and then a VS-17 panel for Smee's squad, and then the four Bradley set up. And huh. I was like, you got to be shitting me. That's crazy. So it, it really was what you could see from back then. And now you look at it nowadays. I think I looked at it a couple months ago. I mean, that city has grown. Oh, yeah. That thriving metropolis damn near. I've seen all mm-hmm. kind of crazy stuff. Like, I can't even believe it's the same city. Yeah. Makes me wonder about, like, that. Uh, remember that family to the north northeast that used to cook goats for us? It's always goats. <laughs> it's always goats. <laughs> Hey, Brian, you enjoyed the food. I can't say you denied any of it. Whoa, 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 whoa. I did not mess around with no meat product because I didn't know what the hell it was. I had, I had swore to myself the second I got, we landed. I'm like, I'm not going to eat any meat product from these people. I, I might eat some bread and I might drink a soda from a can that I had to open myself. <laughs> but all that other stuff, man, it's already bad enough. We're in the middle of this shit. I can't deal with having fucking fiery diarrhea too oh, <laughs> no man. thanks well no, there was that you. old woman up there she always called us her her iraqi grandma mm, that's funny y'all might not remember because y'all didn't talk to her as much but <clears throat> i think it was oh, no. i think it was smith that talked it was up by that cop in the box on the in the northeast on that one side up there well, i'm not sure i don't know about their throats cut oh, oh okay i remember that yeah you had to say that <laughs> Yeah. You got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Now I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't remember yeah. the meat, but I do remember some shitty shit happening. Um, oh, that whole area was bad. I'm surprised yeah, we didn't. That was a bad area. Yeah. Which is why I didn't eat the meat. Hey, there was there was one place somewhere. I feel like in the middle of town, we were walking through there, and at this point, I I, I was you know made the grenadier, um, and uh, we came across a. Like a little, like a what are those little, like a little shop, but he's like a mobile shop, like a I don't know if they call those things. You know, like you go out in town, like you go down to like the like Tyree, like the Venice Beach, whatever, and they got like a little hot dog stand with an umbrella and just wheeling it around, something like that, right? Yeah. And this, this 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 guy was like peddling a meat product, no idea what it was, but uh, a couple of the guys from the squad got a stick of it because it's you know, a kebab kind of. Yeah, no idea what kind of meat it was, but uh, they say it was tasty. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick to their oh, word. Man, do you shop. see how many flies? I'll pass the shop. No, I, th- I want to say man. one. Of, I, I want to say one of the dudes that ate was meat, and that's Yikes. not surprising. Dude, and... Gregowitz would eat anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't man. know if you've seen pictures of him now, but he is. It looks like he yeah. ate himself and has eaten women's eyes. Yeah, even more meatier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Meat is definitely you know a monster now. Yeah, he's in Tennessee, oh, yeah. same as Youngblood. Yep, yeah. <clears throat> I think he's in like uh, just uh, I think he said just east of uh, Mount Juliet, that yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's over in the area I grew up in. <laughs> I I grew up in Middle Tennessee, and Meat's just east of that, and then Youngblood's over in West Tennessee. There's a there's a ton of guys in that area. I feel like Tennessee has the highest concentration of uh, of roughnecks um, I than think any other place. Yeah, it's got yeah. a few. Baggett is up in Knox County, Kentucky, in that area, if I remember correctly. Huh. So. Yeah. Last I heard, he was in Kentucky. Well, last I heard, he's 
you know, doing this thing, but yeah, his, based out, based his out family's of based out of Kentucky. He's yeah. off doing his own little thing. I almost <laughs> got to go see him when I was back in Iraq a couple years ago. I I went in right after those Iran missiles went or went in over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. See some of my soldiers, and uh, I tried to go link up with them. So, but that would have been cool. Circumstances so, didn't work out. Yeah, that would have been cool though. Kind of a. Uh, not, oh, like, not necessarily a full circle thing, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, we don't really talk about awards much on this show, but uh, let's talk about getting your CIB with the rest of us. What was the feeling? The The date I remember, because it was on my birthday, is October 24th, uh, 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all the awards that you've gotten in your career, how did that? how does that CIB rank? You know, because of what we did over that whole year, you know, and then for mm-hmm. the next deployment with 1262, that is one of my most cherished. Yeah. You know, you know, because we, I mean, 0405, we, you know, holy crap, we definitely took it to them. You know, 0608, you know, we, we took as much as we gave, that's for sure, too. Yeah, so. I really want to get into that. That's that's uh, I know that we uh, we beat our deployment to death in this show, and yeah. uh, I didn't really get to talk to peeps about it as much as I'd like to, and I like to do a part two. Yeah, but for your particular time that we have you, I want to talk about a little bit about that uh, that deployment. That the O six O eight deployment. I tell you what, gentlemen, that you know as close as we were as roughnecks, you know the Hellraiser platoon. Mm-hmm. Those guys, I still stay pretty much in contact with those guys nice. on, on everything. And a couple of them live right up by you there, Tyree. You really? Know, work, works in, uh, his name is Ruiz. So, hmm. and uh, Ru works, uh, I think, with medical marijuana for veterans and stuff like that. Oh, so, okay, right on. Rue was one of my gunners, one of my drivers. He got wounded in the first part of the uh, war, came back to me a couple months later, you know, stayed with me for the whole time. We've had some really good close, really close calls on that one. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, that, that deployment, that's, that's a part two, like you were saying with, uh, with peeps, because peeps had one hell of a time with that one too, you know? Yeah. So, and then me and Sergeant Major Sims and stuff like that, and the stuff that we all, you know, I think you can go, you can go into a, you know, a Spader second, you know, second deployment rotation for another show on that one. We could probably do a whole damn season on it, honestly, because I mean, you know, so, so much, so much came out of that deployment. It makes me feel like one. I so when I when I left in 05 after our deployment, like I one of my one of my biggest hangups was feeling this like extreme guilt for for leaving my guys, you know, for leaving you know mm-hmm. the the family, you know what I mean, leaving leaving these people that I understood and understood me that yeah. we had just gone through all this stuff together, and and then to know that you guys were going right back over there, and then later on to learn that you know, that deployment was way more intense. Like the stories that I hear from it, the things that I read from it, the fact that, you know, we have a medal of honor recipient come out of it. Um, mm. uh, just, it, it, it kind of makes me feel like our deployment and not, not to talk light of it, but it makes me feel like our deployment was a cakewalk comparatively. In a way it was, I mean, 
the the challenge is you know every deployment is a cakewalk compared to the the one before or maybe the one after it just depends mm-hmm. um you know you're going to have your own challenges because the second deployment we had a more restrictive roe um you know those of us that went to baghdad we were in more confined of a space so you right. really had to be selective with where you, you fired and you know you're really thinking about okay if i shoot this 50 cal you know, this thing goes through schoolhouses. So, you know, how many neighborhoods do I want to destroy with it? Right. You know, where's that round going to end up? Is it going to hit some kid two houses down or something like that? Right. So no more really leading with about, you know, we couldn't do like we did in Samar. You know, if they shot yeah. us with an AK, we shot back with a, you know, a tank know, round. 240 or a yeah. tank round. So, well, so, so no more, no more leading with 25 AP and following with 25 HE. No, yeah. no, yeah. it was definitely a more thought out, methodical, uh, you know, re-engagement. But then at the same time, we were getting devastated with EFPs and, and Juba, the Baghdad sniper, who was, you know, mm-hmm. if you stuck your head out too far out to your turret, you're getting smacked in the face. Yeah. So. So definitely uh, heightened uh, and more, more of a, more, more, more awareness. I mean, I mean, what was it? Complacency. I mean, if, I feel like complacency in our tour, you know, there's no place for it, first of all, when you're deployed, but I mean, yeah. it happens. So I feel like complacency in ours was a little bit more acceptable um, than the way I've heard, you know, that second deployment described. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't hear yeah. anything. I didn't hear anything good about that second deployment, man, besides the guys that were with each other. Or that whole time was was bad all around, and I would love to sit down and really talk to uh, as many of those guys that served mm-hmm. during that point as I can. Because, yeah, besides that book, I really don't know enough about. I I would like to learn more about what happened with that. Because, do you read the book? You know what? I read parts of it. I haven't finished it. I in a move. I don't know what the hell happened to uh, my copy. I need to get a new one. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've started it a few times. I've never really, because you know, a lot of that stuff. You know, we got my platoon ended up being right there as the QRF platoon for a lot of that stuff that you'll read in that book. You know, no. mm-hmm. you won't see much mentioned of them, but like, you know, McGinnis. You know, we helped to you know escort everybody out of that. You know, Jeff McKinney. You mm-hmm. know, when when he died, mm-hmm. you know, we were there in the trail end of that one. So that shit you know. kicked me, man. I was at uh, I was at uh, drill sergeant school when I saw the cover of Army Times I had his picture on there. I was like, "What is going on?" And I read it, and I was like, "I mean, I just I was I was done for the day." Yeah. You know, that just that set me back. Yep. Yeah, yeah, great, great fucking guy. You know what? what the, not to like I I gotta say like one one of the things that impressed me so much about him even to this day is how he could care. He wasn't our platoon sergeant, but he would like in passing, "Hey man, how's it going?" Yeah, you know, he would talk he cared to about you. everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and and I look, I look at uh, you know, considering you know what happened with him, um, uh, you know, and, and what we know now about you know suicide awareness and things like that, it makes me wonder if he was fighting what he was fighting even then, and that was his way of kind of hanging on to to what he could you know what i mean and i think it was. maybe maybe it, it took maybe what needed to happen is somebody turned around saying but how are you you know what i mean i don't know it's just yeah 
Yeah. That's the issue, man. We're in the middle of a uh, war. Who, who's got time to stop and ask how everyone else is doing? Yeah, see, t- squad leaders do sometimes. I mean, Gil did all the time. But but, but you got to, though. You know, you, you got have to, to check but, but the issue is, what I would say is, uh, you know, everyone's going through something. So they yeah. didn't they didn't see that he was going through that. And I think that's what. Well, not only that, but you know, we yeah. took it for granted on each other. It's like, hey, because mm-hmm. I was with his platoon sergeant, he was my first sergeant, you know. So I was looking at it, it's like, first sergeant asked me how I'm doing, so that's you know, that I'm asking my soldiers how they're doing. Mm-hmm. You never really say, like, you know, like Kevin just said, hey, you know, turn around and ask the question back in reverse. Let's no, yeah. how are you doing? You know, and we've moved on past that from the lessons learned and stuff like that from like Jeff and stuff like that, you know, rest in peace. But, you know, he, he I love that dude. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. that to happen, it's just like it, it rocked all of us back on our heels. So I still have that army time somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got it somewhere and I guys remember it's bracelet over in my uh, top drawer, of my my dresser. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Definitely one of the hardest ones. Oh, yeah. Him <clears throat> and uh, Luis Gutierrez. That was the guy I was living with for a while when I was dating that crazy-ass German lady. <laughs> <laughs> that overtook my house. <laughs> all you had to say was German lady. They're all crazy. Uh, they're not all crazy. There's <laughs> no, good ones not. out there. No, they're definitely not. They're definitely not. I think, uh, I think, I think, I think Koi Toy married the, the last sane one. He did. The last hey, one. Remember his wedding, right? Y'all were there. Oh yeah, we were there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we were all there for that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're still happily married and living in North Carolina right now. That's awesome. Yep. All right, so we're, <laughs> we're jumping around a little bit. We do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we do. do that a little bit on on uh, before I forget. But I do want to ask. Uh, now, the rank is starting to build up a little bit. Things are are changing. You're not the. Uh, the Sergeant Gill kicking in doors, you're, you're moving on up. How does that feel as a, as a soldier? Like you're getting the recognition, not recognition, because I don't think that's a good word. No. <laughs> They're it's understanding good. that you are the kind of person that would be proper to lead soldiers. How does that feel when, when you start to, to rank up? Well, like I said before, it's kind of, at first it's, you get over the, you get this like excitement, like, Oh hell yeah. You know, this is awesome. We're going to get paid more. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, shit, am I prepared to do this? I can, I can train a team. I can train a squad. How do I train a platoon? Yeah. Or how do I train a company and then a battalion, you know? So yeah, first it's this surreal feeling of like enjoyment. And then it's like, oh shit. And you can ask my wife now, like when I deployed to Afghanistan as a first sergeant, I was miserable. She says I was miserable to be around because the only thing going through my mind was, did I prepare everybody? Did I do everything for the FRGs? Are, you know, are the husbands all ready to go? So the wives are taken care of, the kids are taken care of, the moms, the dads, these brand new privates, you know, did they get enough? Did I put them with the right battle buddy in the right platoon? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. So, I believe uh, Sir Major Absher came on and he said things were uh, different compared to, hey, this this deployment in a very high leadership position compared to this first deployment as a squad leader or a team leader. Oh, uh, yeah. how do you, how do you feel about that? No, I completely agree. You know, as a squad leader, 
I kind of look at it as like, man, I'm along for the ride. Somebody else is making decisions, and I'm just they, – they tell me the end state, and I'm going to make sure that me and my boys, we're going to make sure we get there. Mm-hmm. They don't need to tell me how to skin the cat. I know how to kill it and skin it. Yeah. So, you know, I think we did a good job. Like you talk about, you know, Easter Sunday that night when we went back into town and we were going to go take out that RPG team. I remember on the radio, I was sitting there up against that vehicle with Corcoran telling that damn tank commander, I was like, do not fire your main gun, suppress with your, you know, coax or a 50 cal, but do not shoot your main gun. Oh, yeah. And I think that's like two episodes ago. Yeah, we yeah, were we got 15 meters in the overpressure zone. So I remember yeah. Corcoran, after that thing went off, he's like, Sergeant, what happened? I was like, oh, I think we got hit by a fucking mortar round or something. <laughs> and then, man, I was ready to kill that guy. <laughs> so I remember uh, that was that was pretty wild, man. I, I, I thought that we had all got hit with uh, something off the side of that. Yeah. I and caused some splash. Mortar round. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like, man, it's no way. Uh, like in that split second, like right after it happened, I had to get my shit together, and I'm like, it's no way anybody made it after that. If I if it is what I thought it was, thank God it wasn't. Yeah, but Oof. you know, he was right. They were all dead. But damn, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, like I, I I have that transmission stuck in my head. Yeah, I still have hearing damage from that. Yeah. Thanks, 3M, with your shitty head, uh, earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> think we'll ever get paid out for that? Shit. Oh, man. 15 I'm, cents. I'm in it. I'm in it. You will. Yeah, I'll take the 15 cents. It ain't going to change nothing. I'll take it. Don't be silly. <laughs> exactly. Don't be silly, guys. People talk about that. Take that money. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I always ask everyone one question, and, I, and I, again, I'm going to have to backtrack way back for this one. Okay. Uh, we we make it back from that first deployment, that first combat deployment. How does it feel to land back in uh, back in Germany? Honestly, with everyone was, intact. Yeah. No, I was ecstatic. I remember my girlfriend was supposed to pick me up. We went through, and I'm looking out in the crowd. She ain't there. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. So I told all you guys goodbye. Yeah. And I lived out in Grafen Reinfeld, and so I lived all the way off into town. And she had my Jeep. So I was like, shit. So I walked out of the. Shout out to Jeep. I walked out of that basketball arena and I walked Mm -hmm. to the class six behind it. I bought a 12 pack of beer and I walked back up there and started drinking until she showed up about an hour later. So Mm -hmm. I was pretty drunk and happy to be home. I didn't do shit. So (laughs) that was it. It just felt good. It was like, it was kind of like one of those. I don't want to celebrate too soon, but at the same time, I was like, everybody's back. Yeah. All these guys are back. King, you know, remember Jason, he got, he got injured. He's mm-hmm. alive. He's back. Mm-hmm. But yep. nobody. Died. Strand too. Yep. Yeah. So, but well, Strand wasn't mine. King was mine. Oh yeah. 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 So, but I was like, you know, as a squad leader, you know, I was a success. I remember calling my parents and being like, Hey, I'm home. I'm done. I'm going to go drink and I'm going to go to sleep and I'll talk to you in about a week. So I wonder how many people had that feeling after like, uh, yeah, we're all home, but can I really celebrate at this point? Like, uh, was there like a little bit of, of, of hesitation? Like, is this really over apprehension? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I remember we, man, we got back 
Um, I remember hanging out with Kevin, like, man, I can't believe we, we are fucking done. Like, I can't believe it. It was just yeah. disbelief. It was weird because literally just days before or day before, a week before, you know, it was a week before we left, right? What was it when, when, uh, it, to, to use your term, sorry, Major, uh, Numb Nuts decided to fucking bail from the Bradley and talk to <laughs> Kiro to run yeah. back into Samara. You know what I'm saying so that was just a week before this, mm-hmm. you know, and here we are back in Germany, you know, 2000 miles away from the center of all that bullshit. Now we're just like, where's my gun? What's yeah. going Did you on? Hear? If this motherfucker shoots us, do we shoot him? Hey, everybody yeah. shoot him to wound him. Don't shoot him to kill him. I do. Yeah. yeah. Remember that? I remember. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll take care of all that stuff. Where were we? <laughs> Oh, no, no, I was talking just about... saying that, you know, I just remember that guy, that numb nut. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> we were going to do, we were going to recover him as safe as we possibly could, but we we were all going home. Yeah. yeah. That was like the most bizarre event of the entire, of all the things that happened that year. Of all, that of is. everything oh, yeah. that happened, yeah. It was just like, man, we are done. We don't have to go back in here. Uh Everyone you know, and, made it out okay for the most part, you know, psychologically, whatever. But you know, physically, we're here. Um, but man, what the fuck is this dude doing? What the hell? I mean, now thinking back at it, he reminds me of like some dude being released out of Sam Quentin and goes out and stabs the first person he can to go back in. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just, I just yeah, exactly. I just kind of had a thought that maybe, maybe he had some news about some, something going down back in Germany or back home that he just didn't want to go back to. He's like, fuck it, man. I'm staying here. I'm moving to Samara. I'm getting that house right there. I'm yeah. blending. They're but you got to know, back. like, we're all going to be in the middle of, like, trying to get you back. Yeah. Like, regardless of how we feel about you, we still have to, we still have to, right? Yep. Fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you think, so that was, that was a week ago, and now we're back in Germany. Yeah. You know what I mean? Done. Yeah. Are able able to put on civilian clothes. We don't have our weapon on us anymore. We don't have we don't have a we don't have to wear our body armor or helmet. We have to Even dress we, up in our bro gear, right? We all have that dumb. In. We all have yeah. that dumb tan on our face from the uh, chin strap. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the darkest hands, but the whitest arms. Yeah. But you're able to go to the rock fabric and get wasted with ten bucks. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh man. I mean, so we had the I don't I, and it may have been King that set this up, but we had two beers. In the refrigerator for each person in each room. Yeah, uh, I appreciate uh, that. Absolutely. <laughs> Shout out to whoever that was. I'm I'm pretty certain that was King. You still got um, your Steins from Sergeant Baggett? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 You, <laughs> you know, and I told myself when Tyrion and I started doing this, that like every episode, I'm gonna sit here and drink out of that thing. But uh, I would be way too drunk. Oh yeah. Uh, by the end of it, and pretty incoherent. And so I just didn't do that. But oh yeah, those are one liter steins. Yeah, massive, huge, and I love that thing. Yeah, I love it. I cherish it with the with everything almost. That's yep. uh, more than any award is uh, that Stein. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I keep um, my and because of him doing that when when I was a tune sergeant for that, I did steins for the guys too. Oh yeah, that's awesome. So. That's kind of cool. I mean, like that's just a, another tradition that's kind of handed down. I wonder how. I wonder if that's been carried on by some of those guys. Mm, no telling. Yeah. Hopefully. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. For sure. Well. So, how, what is life now for you? What is uh, what is life now? Life now yeah. is I'm married. 
been mm-hmm. married since 06. And we have five boys, one girl. My Six. daughter is the Boy. youngest, and she's about to turn eight in January. Oh, wow. So five boys and one girl. Ooh. That is a ton. That's a whole, almost a damn, that's a squad. Yeah. That's a lot of protection for that little girl. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, but the problem is she don't need She's mean as shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's the youngest of yeah. that many boys. She was putting me in place tonight. I was like, Jesus oh. Christ, child. <laughs> I love her to death, but man, she makes both me and my wife look at each other and scratch her head like, that's your kid. Nope, that's your kid. <laughs> like, how did this happen? We know how. We know. But, what's uh, uh so what's 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 the the the, the uh, your future in the army look like you uh well what really what i'm getting at and this i'm just gonna ask you flat out when are you gonna be sergeant major of the army <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i ever want to stay long enough to deal with those politics but you know i mean right but uh, going wrong, you know testing but you know we you know, the army's got you know one of its top priorities right now is modernization for the next war Right. Yeah. Oh, I got equipment. The new, the new artillery, the new, um, you know, if it, what do they say, from nuts to bolts to helmets, it comes out here. Right. Yeah. And then I run here in New Arizona for desert operations. And then underneath that, I have a test and evaluation center down in Panama and Suriname. And then, like a week, I was up in the lab. Uh oh, test school. Hold on a second. Your your audio's cutting out. What'd you miss? Like about half of what you said. Are okay. you at the same same spot you were before? Because that was yeah, fine. I but I, okay. Sitting here with my feet up. <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, I work for Army Test and Evaluation Command, and pretty much from everything for the new Army modernization, from future vertical lift to Army artillery to mortars, everything is tested mm-hmm. out here in Yuma or Panama, Suriname for the Tropic Regions Test Center, or okay. up at Fort Greeley, Alaska for the Arctic Regions Test Center or Cold Regions Test Center. Do you find yourself bouncing around between the three? Yeah. Bounce three? Yeah. I haven't been to Panama yet, but I've been. Alaska extensively, so that's a kind of a bummer. If you hear Panama is nice and warm, especially this time of year, it is. I'll probably be down there February, January, February, sometime for about a week. If you uh, if you need me a uh, PSD, let me know. Yeah, I, I might need a driver down there. <laughs> I get kidnapped with. <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll get kidnapped with you. There you go. So. From from humble beginnings, from uh, your first deployment, first duty station to where you are now it, it it just says a lot about the kind of person that you are uh and the, the fact that the army takes that much uh belief in in you working at those kind of jobs is pretty incredible and i i personally want to thank you because some of the, some of the tools that i have in my toolbox and I've used that uh, while I was a police officer, and even as uh, just everyday, everyday life is 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 what I've learned from you. And I want to thank you personally for that. Oh no, bro, I appreciate it. You know, you know, every leader wonders, 
you know, did they do it right? Did they do it correct? But, you know, like a couple years ago, I was down there in, you know, Florida. I went fishing with Peeps, you know, had dinner Mm -hmm. with him and his wife. And, you know, to see that, you know, Peeps is out there, you know, making it, you know, doing a great job at life. Yeah. Here, you know, the stories you got as a police officer and, you know, your spotlight on TV the couple times. (laughs) Uh, Movie star. Same thing with I hadn't even gotten to the movie yet. Yeah. Shit. What what movie? I was in uh what was that name of that movie? A Tenet? Uh, Tenet. Tenet, yeah, I was in that. Briefly. Yeah, you know Briefly. Well, you were a masked character in there. Yeah. <laughs> you and uh, a million other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but from the spaders, there was like what, three or four of you? Yeah, yeah, it was four of us. That was that was actually pretty cool for uh I'll do a show about that maybe at one point. That's yeah, an interesting, interesting thing to do. But anyway, fuck all that. Back to talking about Star Major Gill. Um, again, like, uh, the, it, it was, I've, when we were deployed, me and you butted heads from time to time. Yeah, we always do. And, and thinking about it now, I, I'm, I'm, I understand, like, I know what you were doing. And I wish I hadn't resisted so much. I wish I had soaked up more than, than I did, which I soaked up a lot, but I wish I couldn't gotten more because I was resistant to stuff in the beginning. At the end, when you understand like, okay, X, Y, Z happened to get us back, our ASS back here. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to speak to other people from our squad and they're probably going to echo the same thing, hopefully. Hopefully. As I do, yeah, because you know, you know, everyone has their opinions about things, but you know, that's just how I feel, and and I really wanted to push that across. Well, it's important to me, and I, and I, and I'll say, and not to not to, you know, continue brown nosing like brown nose, but uh, <laughs> you know, but no, I mean, but for real, what I think to me, and this is just kind of one one of the things that I think I, I've learned over my time in the army is that one of the things that I think makes a great leader is your ability to extend your influence outside of your immediate area, your immediate AO. So your yeah. squad, your team, your platoon, your, your company, et cetera, and so on. Yeah. Um, we talked about that with Ranger Mac, you know, and, oh, yeah. and how he was able to do that. And that's, that's something that you were able to do. I mean, it really was like, I mean, it was definitely, um, uh, you know, going, going back to 2003 and kicking on the doors and, you know, angry Sergeant Gill coming through and making everybody's life hell. But at the same time, that was absolutely needed because the reality of the situation was we were going to combat and mm-hmm. you can't fuck around with that. Yeah, and no, you, you, were, you, were, you were preparing us. You were getting us on board. I mean, it was the same thing with Sergeant Sweeney. Like everybody hated Sergeant Sweeney for all the, like, the, the dumb shit that we had to do, you know, waking up at 3.30 in the morning to have uh, barracks inspections before PT and then not going to bed until, you know, fucking midnight because we just had barracks inspections because we kept failing them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, understanding that how that translates to attention to detail, um, that work ethic, that being annoyed and still pushing through the mission, which, you know, that's that's applicable to not in, outside of the military. So, I mean, to be able to, to like I said, extend that influence and, and to be able to, 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 I don't know, man, just to. I don't know to, to to be that to people that I wasn't even in your squad. I was never yeah. under you know Staff Sergeant Gill. Never. 
but that influence <laughs> it floated over exactly. Like I, I saw you perform. I saw how your 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 squad responded to you, and yeah, it was. I mean, don't be me wrong. I feel absolutely fortunate to have had uh, Sergeant Smith as my squad leader. I had Sergeant Winchester as a squad leader. Um, but all excellent people to to be able to see how it worked throughout the entire platoon, and like I said, to have that in, your influence extended my direction to be able to pick up on that. Man, it was just. I mean, it really is. It really is a, a great thing. And uh, that's one thing that I've tried to, to, to take with me as I moved through my career. That's awesome. I appreciate it. No, I, I tell you what, the, being a leader at that time was, honestly, it was easy. It was scary. It was easy. You know, we leaned on each other. You know what? You know, me, Smith, you know, Felici, all of us, we learned as much from you guys as we did from each other. And then, you know, from our, everybody above us, from Sweeney to, you know, first Sergeant Salinas to first Sergeant Sims to, you know, I think it was just, we had the perfect storm of the right type of people that were open-minded enough to learn from each other and Mm -hmm. both up and down Mm -hmm. that we were able to create what we had. hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we really did get so, so lucky uh, with just how the, all of that came together. I mean, just how long we've been together, the group of people, the dynamic. Uh, and it's like you said, very, or very early in the beginning of the, of the show, we were talking about like at night, you could, you could, you could see a shadow walking and you knew exactly who that was. Yep. Yeah. There's a reason for that. You know, we'd trained together so much. Um, I, I keep saying it, man. If we can, if, if we can get to somebody who can like uh, do the maths for guys who stay together plus training Plus, you know, deployments along with, uh, I don't know, engaged by the enemy. How would our numbers rank up to people with similar numbers? I wonder if, mm-hmm. if that, maybe the Army should look into that. Like, maybe sticking some guys together a little bit longer and stop splitting them up. Yeah. Like a damn divorced couple every few years. Let them guys stay together and get it, get their training, man. I mean, damn, and they might come that, back with that, us that, these that is crazy thing, though, mishaps, too. That is the thing, though. When you when you get into the special operations community, I mean, those guys are, I mean, they they know everything about each other. But that's, I mean, they're able to perform at that level, um, partly for that reason. Yeah. Um, so let, let, our, let these guys at the bottom, I'm let the guys one. like us, fuck around and practice for years with those with each other, and watch how great they'll be in combat. I'm telling you. Yeah, but you know what? It takes it takes a perfect storm to get that, and that's why True. they have the selection they have and everything we just happened to luck into it to be honest with you yeah stop well if they're shitty moves, vote them off the island deployment to kosovo you know yeah yeah so we were honestly we we're just stuck with each other and we made the best damn unit out of it because of that absolutely yeah so and i, and I have to I have to mention that I, I thought about this earlier and i wanted to ask you i'm glad i remembered um that that photo that uh tyree sent in the uh, in the group that's your that's your that's your uh, photo now from from over there at Yuma, right? Yeah, that's uh, the, the DA first photo? one before mm-hmm. that was yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't help but notice, but in that photo, you are wearing both your big red one and your blue pin. Oh yeah, and uh, and you but you've deployed since then, um, yep. and I and so and I kind of wonder and I, and I kind of want to catch the irony in this because I mean you coming from the eighty second for having been there for so long. You know, all American all the way, right? 
Yeah. And uh, coming to the mech world, being mad as hell, like I don't want to go to Seal Coffin. <laughs> and now you very proudly, it seems, wear the big red one and yep. the blue spader. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I that's even I, even after I deployed in a, in to Afghanistan in four two five in Alaska, I was at a I was at a um, uh, a memorial up there, and I'm in uniform, and I'm wearing blue spader and the big red one, and um, ah uh, shit, which Colonel Shield, General Shields, the United States Army Alaska com- uh, general at the time, comes walking by, and, it, and the reason I know him is because he was my lieutenant colonel when I left Fort Bragg to go to Germany, and he stops hmm. and he's looking at me, he says, "Gil." His staff sergeant Gill, and I was like, "Yes, sir. I was one of your staff sergeants way back when in Charlie Company three five zero four." And he's like, "No shit." And he goes, "Blue spiders, huh?" He goes, "Well, <laughs> I see your time in Germany after you left us was, you know, well earned." And I was like, "Yes, sir, it was." So, I mean, hell yeah! I mean, shit, you go to come on. I mean, you're your CIB, your Ranger tab, almost Pathfinder. I'm I'm mad about that for you. No, he got I mean, Pathfinder. I thought he did get Pathfinder. Did no, he went to the, no, I got not pulled. Oh, no, no, no. I, I got it mixed up with Smile. Sorry. Jesus. Yeah. Damn, but no, man. I am going to bite your head off. Listen. He would. Listen. <laughs> he would. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of, to me, it's like a, like, I only have the one combat deployment and one peacekeeping deployment. So. Uh, so obviously I'm going to be proud of the unit that I was with and the guys that I was there with, but to, to see yeah. some of you guys that have gone on multiple rotations and been all over the army and, yeah. and, 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 and didn't work with these guys to still be out there wearing that, like it, that to me is just, it, I think that says a lot about the blue spaders. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I I've stopped and I've talked to several people in, in the years since like Sergeant Major McLaughlin and, you know, I've, if somebody, I think his name is Tyree Brown, would have came to the reunion, <laughs> able to see old Steve scheduling <laughs> as he was down the road eating at yeah. another restaurant. I right. was trying, man. What are you going to your wife? Come on. Yeah, blame on the well, wife. Of course. She's not here to defend her, so I'm going to take the now. easy way out because I am a weenie. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You know, when I come to LA, I'll see how it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course. I mm-hmm. mean, you'll always have a, a spot to crash if you ever come to LA. Okay. And on, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and uh, bring this one to a close just because, <clears throat> you know, it was an awesome show and I don't want to screw it up now. <laughs> yeah. And we are pretty close to time, I think. Um, uh, I don't know exactly where we are, but um, I feel like, though, Sergeant Major, like we could probably talk to you about because you have 25 years of knowledge and experience on the United States Army. Um, and dang, man, like if, if, if so, I, I know this, this particular what we're doing, this the seasons, right? So, this season is 26 episodes in honor of 26th Century Regiment. Um, but later on, when we get when we start talking, we're going to open it up to, to other people and expand and talk to people from other branches and their, their deployments and everything. And if, if you would be down, I mean, I think it would be amazing to, to talk to you more about what else you've uh, done uh, in the army with other units and just other experiences you have, because I mean, again, a wealth of knowledge and we want that information to be 
uh, accessible for, for folks that listen. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I listen to you guys every week. Whenever you say that new episode, I haven't got a chance to listen to Peeps yet because that came out today. But you know, I'll, I'll be listening to that this week. But yeah. and I Peeps is a good dude. I... Whenever yeah. you can, and then when y'all were talking about with uh, Stamper and them and doing a a reunion down in Florida, let me know. Oh, absolutely. Um. You know we're headed to Nashville for New Year's Eve. I w- You know what? I will talk to the wife and see if she wants to go. <laughs> My hometown is only sixty miles from Nashville. Yeah, we got an Airbnb downtown and everything. Uh, from from what I know, uh, me, the Stampers, Young Blood, uh, Fred and his wife, Frederick. Yep. Yeah. Holy yep. shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Fred Drizzle. <laughs> With yeah, big old, big old lips. <laughs> yeah, I cannot, I cannot wait to see these guys. I mean, it's I'm, 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 I'm so stoked to go to do this. This is amazing, and I can yeah. tell you, if, if we're able to pull this off next year, because you know we talk about these reunions, right? They've been going on like we there's spade of reunions every year, yeah, in this location or that location, and they're all formal events, and that's that's great, you know, generations of spaders, that's great. But like, you know, when it's your when it's your guys yeah yeah Yeah. so i i really hope that we can organize this thing um down in florida next year at at peeps's place um it is but you know if you want these things to last you know i've seen too many of the uh the world war ii organizations they just they died away because they wrote charters and they only included these certain people and they didn't invite other people in so they got you know, they, you know, they say an old soldier never dies; they just fade away. Well, mm-hmm. fade away right. from memory when nobody else has the story. <laughs> yeah, so, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, the even, this last one in Vegas, my almost half of my old platoon showed up, and they didn't even do anything with the Spader reunion. They went out to strip clubs and bars by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm there with my <clears throat> wife and kids, and I was like, "Hey, guys, I can't join you on this. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I got to draw the line here." Got a family. I got a future to look after. <laughs> yeah, but I can do that in Florida. Damn, I tell you what, I, I'll fly down there. Well, and you know, uh, uh, Clifton is has been working on a, a 2025 reunion back in Germany. Yes, yes, that'd be and, awesome, uh, man. Actually, uh, there goes the dragon. Next year for you. Well, your audio cut out again. What'd you say? I said next year I got there. Here's help do a sanity check with uh, uh, old Colonel Dragon retired. Okay. About... Nice. Pittsburgh, Virginia. <laughs> so. Yeah, so, but... I mean, de- I mean, yeah, we definitely need to make those things happen more often, um, and be a part of that. I remember when we were in Germany on Con Barracks. As a matter of fact, there were some dudes over there. Who were Vietnam era blue spader veterans? I remember this guy saying, "Be belt buckle." I was like, "Man, yeah. I gotta get one of those," and <laughs> I did. I did get one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but they were they were there for um, I think they were spaders. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was just incredible to meet those guys and be able to talk to them. Um, for sure. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. That, that Vietnam generation is really pushing for us. To start stepping it up, yeah. 
Well, and we need to across the board. I mean, that's one of my biggest complaints about the VFW is just it's outdated. You know, it doesn't cater to modern day, uh, you know, GY veterans uh, because I mean, it, it doesn't do it doesn't have it doesn't offer anything other than a, a bar with cheap beer. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and I and I and I've talked about this and you may have heard in previous episodes and with friends of mine. I want I want I want to revamp the VFW and I, I kind of um, maybe if we can talk to Will Adig about, you know, what he does with the VA, maybe if he can extend some influence that direction. Um, well, you know, some of it, the local chapter, because mm-hmm. I'm just as guilty. I haven't really done much with them, but they, they ask, Hey, how can we help? You know? Yeah. So, you know, if you can work it from both ends, Right. Yeah, Attic yeah. is a perfect dude to help work that. But absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Tyree, what do you say? I say uh we just gotta start talking to each other and get it going, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tyree, yeah. don't be surprised if I don't if I don't stop into Vegas sometime or not. If you come down to LA at some point. Yeah. We're looking All at right. it. So my my neighbor, he's got to go up there. The Your audio is cutting out real bad right now. Yeah, the audio is real bad. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it started to started to. Did you take your feet down? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. No, I was saying my uh, my one neighbor is supposed to go over there and to, I think Temecula for me that me and him make. Oh, oh okay. Man. That's not too far from here. Temecula is uh, what about an hour east, more or less. Yeah, from uh, where I'm in Santa, in from San Diego. Oh, okay. So you guys, yeah. she's familiar with the area. So we gotta, oh, we gotta yeah. get together. We gotta get together somehow. We'll make it oh, happen. We Don't worry. What do you do so, nowadays? Do you work? Right now, <laughs> work on this. There you go. I'm try not it. to try not to lose my lose my mind. Uh, otherwise. Try not to get sick. Try not to do all that kind of stuff. Try not to get the COVID. Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for now, they, again, thank you for coming on on the show. Um, where this is uh, one of our, one of my definite uh, proudest moments as far as the show goes. Uh, folks listening, thank you for, uh, thank you for listening. Please like, share subscribe share it with people make sure that other people get to hear this play it on your speakers loud explain <laughs> like explain who those guys are and what are they going on about and, and say yeah go ahead and listen and follow before i forget it's free yeah. we don't ask for a dollar if you got dollars we'll take it but you know <laughs> we don't ask for anything that. we don't ask for anything all we ask is that you share it and that's it yep yeah Blast so, uh, it at 2 a.m. in your apartment complex. Let everybody know. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I don't want you get a, to get evicted. I don't want you to get kicked out of your dwelling. <laughs> right. So thanks uh, thanks for listening to Before I Forget. And, uh, and thank you, Star Major Gill. Go ahead. Hey, brothers. Y'all have a good night. Absolutely. Hey, hey again, thank you so much for, for, for just taking the time and, and sitting down and talking with us. It's been, it's been great to be able to talk to you, with you again, for sure. Guys, yep. it was my honor. Yeah, it's great talking to you guys and seeing where you are today. So, yeah. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye. I give up. It's All right, time. here we go then. All right. Well, five, 
four, it's the countdown. Three, I don't like it. Two. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me try this again. <clears throat> Five, four, that part. three, Come on, no, two. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Before I Forget. <clears throat> Which uh, I remember, I, yeah, this fucking guy. Uh oh, we lost Gil. Do we? Oh, all right. No. So that was at the thirty-nine minute mark. I'm gonna yeah. try to add him back in. Able to click the link to. Join. Things are going good. It sucks that happened. Mm-hmm. But you know. Boop 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 boop. Ah. Where are we at in time? I wonder what happened. Ah, there he goes. There he Welcome is. back. Okay. Don't be laughing. I fucked that one up too. God damn it.